Welcome. My name is A.B. Ridgway, the host of Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things in My Mom's Favorite Christian Financial Advisor. Today, brothers and sisters, we're going to break down the story of the rich man and Jesus. We all should be familiar with the saying by Jesus who says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. In this episode, we're going to break down this statement that is constantly taken out of context and provide some new financial insights. We'll discuss possibility versus probability, the law of Moses versus the wisdom of Jesus, and how you can be a rich man and still get into the kingdom of heaven. We'll be using a story as told in the book of Matthews. So if you want to turn to the chapter now, you'll already be ready. Now, the first question we need to ask ourselves is, are we rich? It is estimated that if you just have $4,210 to your name, you're better off than half of the people around the globe. And to get to 90%, you just need a net worth of $93,170 US dollars. So, are we the rich people Jesus warned about? Is everyone with $4,210 to their name going to hell? I don't think so. I don't believe it, and I don't think that you believe it either. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, once again, what are riches? So for the sake of this conversation, we're going to consider riches as a surplus of food, water, and shelter. Because that's really what wealth is, right? Once you have enough food, once you have enough water, once you have enough shelter, it's really just more of the same thing. You buy a bigger house, you get a faster car, you get food for the week as opposed to the day or maybe even the meal clean water sources. What else can you really buy in this world? Entertainment, things to distract us, a new gadget gadget, right? So we're breaking it down to its lowest common denominator. Once again, food, water, and shelter. Why does context matter? Because think about this. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Bill Gates. They're some of the wealthiest people in the world. And they may think that Warren Buffett is poor compared to them. And technically, dollar for dollar, they would be right. But who in their right mind would consider Warren Buffett poor? No one, <laughs> especially not me. We're talking about the top 1%. But put yourself in that same situation. Imagine someone in a small country, in a small village, who barely has any water, who barely has any food, who barely has any shelter, looking at you and saying, well, why do you consider yourself poor? We think you're wealthy. We would love to come to your country. We would love to have the things that you have. We would love to have Wi-Fi. We would love to be listening to financial advisors say the darndest things, right? This is why context matters, because there is a subjectivity of wealth. And I read something very interesting. They say that we really don't get jealous or envious of anyone until we feel that they are our equal. So Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Bill Gates, they're not our equals. So we don't compare ourselves to them. But who do we compare ourselves to? Our neighbors, people that we go to work with, our siblings, our extended family. Why? Because these people we feel have the same opportunity to be wealthy. And we wonder why we're not as rich as them or we don't have the things that they have. And this is what stirs up our jealousy. This is what stirs up our envy. Now, as we climb that wealth ladder, we have new people to compare ourselves to, right? That's what I mean by the subjectivity 
of wealth. And what happens is we ignore the wealth that we have because we're so focused on the wealth that other people have. Now, in today's scripture, it comes from Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 through 29, which tells the story of a man who comes to Jesus and says, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Jesus then gives him the Mosaic law and briefly addresses the major sins. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness, basically lie, commit adultery, and honor thy father and mother. And the man replies that, listen, I've done all that. I followed the law. And he kind of presses Jesus for more clarity, overstating that these commandments he has known since a youth. And there has to be something more. And that's why he's coming to Jesus, because there seems to still be some doubt in this man's heart. And this is where we learn that wealth is not evil. Now watch this. Jesus then tells the man, if thou be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. Now, this is not explicit in the scripture, but it can be assumed that Jesus was commanding him to give charity. I say charity because he's not commanded to just abandon his wealth. Jesus didn't say, follow me and leave all that junk behind, right? Even in that moment, Jesus still saw the value in the wealth that we accumulate. And he was charging the man to be a good steward and to give away what he had accumulated. Jesus then takes the time to address his disciples and gives the iconic line we all know and love. Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And this is where most Christians stop reading. They close their Bibles and they use it as an excuse why they aren't making money. I don't want to be like the rich man. I don't want to accumulate wealth. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be rich. I want to be prosperous. But I don't want to accumulate more cars. I don't want to have a house. I don't want to work overtime. Right now, Christians use this first once again, and they use it to condemn wealth. But unfortunately, this is not where the lesson ends, nor are these the final words of Jesus. Understand this. The rich man was not condemned for having wealth. He was condemned for not forsaking wealth and following Jesus. Now, out of this statement, there's two concepts here. It's possibility versus probability. Jesus gave him the possibility of getting into the kingdom. He gave him the wisdom. But the odds of getting in are very low for a man who loves wealth more than he loves his savior. And if you're a betting man, you would be right that this man wasn't going to get into heaven when he was hoarding so much wealth. And this is where the law meets wisdom. The man followed the law, Jesus was given him the wisdom. We've heard Jesus say once again, he has not come to abolish the law, but he has come to fulfill the law, meaning to give clarity on the law of Moses that was given to the people. Because what we find is the Pharisees were twisting the words of what the law really meant and people were getting confused. And here comes Jesus to provide the wisdom to interpret the law. Just like when we go into a courtroom, there's the law, the constitution, for whatever it may be, of the land, and the lawyers come to interpret that law. The judges come to interpret the law and apply it to each situation. Here, Jesus becomes the judge 
and he is letting him know, yes, you have the law, but here I'm giving you the wisdom. So as Christian investors, we have the law. We have an established set of rules that we use to financially plan, and they've been proven time and time again. Create a financial plan, live on less than you make, save money in a retirement account, have an emergency fund, choose funds wisely, be patient, make adjustments as needed. Give back to the church, give to your community and the less fortunate. And when it's all said and done, pass on the wealth to your children so they can have a better opportunity to enjoy this world. And not only just your wealth, but the knowledge and the wisdom in order to manage that wealth. Because one steward needs to educate the next stewards. But the wisdom is something different. Wisdom tells us when are we taking too much risk? Wisdom tells us that money is not everything. Wisdom tells us that our goals are self-centered and we should include those we love. Wisdom tells us that God comes first and we are merely stewards of his wealth and we must gain knowledge to properly manage it. Think of Solomon. He had a huge kingdom. And what did he ask God for? He asked God for wisdom. Solomon knew the law. Solomon was king. But wisdom helped him execute the law properly in the name of God. So how can we as Christians improve our chances of getting into heaven while still accumulating wealth? Well, the answer can be found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 through 34. And I'm going to read it for you just in case you don't have your Bibles in front of you. And it says, And why do you worry about clothes? Consider how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was adorned like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles strive after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Did you get that? But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Wow. God will take care of you. The rich man worried about losing his money, not knowing that God is going to provide for him. And I want to touch on that last line one more time. It's just so powerful. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, because today has enough trouble of its own. Understand this, brothers and sisters. We can't control tomorrow, just like we can't control what happens in the stock market. But we can control how we act today. We can create that financial plan. We can structure our finances. We can designate beneficiaries to carry on our legacy. We can save money above our needs. And understanding that we are wealthy, but not wealthy in the worldly sense, which is subjective, but wealthy in the eyes of God, which is objective. So today, I want you to take some actionable steps to seek the kingdom of God and become the good stewards I know you can be. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know where to get the knowledge from, we have an ebook, Four Pillars of Christian Investing. It's a 19-page beginner's guide to investing and saving for retirement. It goes over debt management, savings, investing, and wealth transfers. 
After reading this ebook, you'll have a better grasp on some of the laws and some of the spirit that goes into creating your own financial plan. And if you need help with creating your financial plan, you're like, you know what, AB, I would love for you to help me. I want you to schedule a consultation. Just visit me at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and allow us to help you combine your faith and your finances. Well, I hope that you learned something today that let tomorrow take care of itself. There is a possibility versus probability. It's possible that each and every one who repents and follows God can get into the kingdom of heaven, but we can't let wealth be our ultimate goal. We must first seek the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. Well, I hope you learned something about the rich man and Jesus, and I hope that you take the scripture and apply it to your life and see wealth for what it truly is, an opportunity to expand God's kingdom to expand his legacy and for you to be a good steward of what God has provided you and your family. Well, I am A.B. Ridgeway, a certified private wealth advisor professional with over a decade of experience helping high net worth Christians create financial plans that will make God proud. Well, that's it for me. I am A.B. Ridgeway and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah Ridgeway is an investment advisor representative and owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces a podcast show and makes it available on his website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any specific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management client pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnest Team podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.